This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. Time again, you texted, emailed, and DM'd us for our take on a planet-friendly way to purchase our tried and tested Brightly favorites. Because while the world of conscious consumerism is exploding, making mindful, planet-friendly purchases can still be a challenge. That's where the Brightly shop comes in. To reduce some of the eco-overwhelm, every product we sell has been hand-picked and vetted by the Brightly team. You won't find anything in the shop that has less than five stars. We've gone through hundreds of eco-products to discover new and emerging brands that solve sustainability problems for you every day. We even designed our own products like beeswax wraps to keep things fun and to help you live brightly. So how do we help you shop sustainably? The shop launches on the first Monday of each month and is open for five days. So the shorter, planet-friendly shopping window allows us to only order what we need. After the shop closes, we pack and ship out products in bulk. This low-impact supply chain reduces waste and keeps the planet happy. Brightly is also climate neutral certified. Because we are committed to climate action, we have set our entire carbon footprint from operations to shipping. We believe in the power of collective change, and we are so glad you're joining us on this journey. Go to shop.brightly.eco to see what's in store. Use code GOODTOGETHER at checkout to receive two free hand-blown, ethically made wine glasses with any purchase. Simply add the wine glasses to your cart and apply the code at checkout. Have you ever thought that buying something at an overstock store like TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Ross, or HomeGoods was helping excess inventory stay out of a landfill? Because I've definitely felt like that before. I feel like I'm like helping waste stay out of the landfill. It's actually not true. So overstock stores like these continue to rise in popularity and sales. And consumers don't really see any harm in that, right? So there's these, this big assumption that happening that you're getting get good deals on excess goods. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not true. Um, this, these stores are not nearly as eco-friendly as they might seem. So the editorial team at Brightly recently researched just how sustainable these stores really are. And the findings are probably going to shock you. So in this episode, we'll be answering some of these burning questions, including... 
How sustainable are these stores really? How are they really getting all that clothing and those candles in the first place? And how exactly do they get away with selling name brand items at such a low price point? All right, let's get into it. Hello, how are you, Lisa? Hi, Laura. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about today's episode. And I mean, we say that every time. So you listeners are probably like over it. But this one I think is really interesting because it, it we like to talk about like myths around sustainability and eco-friendly living. And I feel like the myth surrounding an overstock store is huge, right? <laughs> yes, this is definitely something that our audience has been asking us about, right? We talk a lot about fast fashion and slow fashion, how to shop, um, you know, your favorite fashion items or, you know, your favorite out- uh, outfits in the most sustainable way. Yeah. And a lot of people are still confused, including me and you, right? Until yes. like our team actually came together and did the research for us to have a definitive answer. A lot of people are still confused about are overstock uh, shops good for the environment or not? So here's why we are excited about this episode, right? Because um, our amazing content team did a lot of investigation and we have an answer for you. Absolutely. And the other thing that's interesting about the timing of this episode is, you know, holiday season in general is on us, right? So like, you know, we, you and I are recording this, um, you know, early, a little, little bit earlier, or closer to Halloween when this is getting recorded, but it's going to come out maybe, um, you know, a little bit later than that. But regardless, when, when the leaves change, you know, like the, the temperature changes, leaves fall, there's a bunch of holidays that happen, right? Like at the end of the year. And I think it's very easy for people to, you know, they, they, they want to go out, they want to be festive, um, they might look to a place like a big chain store or something to help them with decor. But then there's also this like misconception, I think, that going to an overstock store like a TJ Maxx, and you're going to explain a little bit more about what they are. There's a misconception that like going there is good and that we're just going to keep doing it. So I feel like holidays season in general, right? You're getting the decor, you're getting the gifts. Um, There's a lot more traffic into them around this time of year. Yeah, exactly. And I was just thinking about it. I mean, people, as you just said, people get so excited about holidays. Um, and a lot of the excitement is because, yeah, holidays, uh, colder months, we're stuck at home. We want to surround ourselves by like comfortable, beautiful, with comfortable, beautiful things around us. Yep. We also buy a lot of things. We're bored, um, right? We're yes, bored. We go shop. We don't go outside as much or it's cold <laughs> outside. So we go to the mall or an overstock store. So let's get into this, right? Yeah. Let's talk about what overstock stores are. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure they exist all over the world, but um, probably they started here. Uh, They definitely do. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yeah, overstock stores, um, they are obviously only rising in the popularity, right? TJ Maxx, the parent company, uh, TJX is the parent company of TJ Maxx, Marshalls and HomeGoods. So they are actually owned by one company and Ross have consistently been in the top 20 most profitable public fashion companies. Uh, And according to McKinsey's Global Fashion Index, going back as far as 2008, this is the data. So it makes sense that they're most in the rank of most profitable ones, right? Because why? Because they buy dead inventory. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, well, the assumption is that they buy dead inventory, right? And so we'll yes. talk a little yeah. bit more mm-hmm. about that in a second. But um, another thing that we actually, I don't even think we went into it too much into the um, the actual report, which by the way, this full report that our investigative team came up with is on brightly.eco slash podcast. But 
Another thing is like an outlet store. A lot of times people um, think that outlet stores are just full of, um, you know, dead inventory. And we'll talk about why that may or may not be the case. But anyway, yeah, so overstock outlet, etc. And the other point that I thought was interesting was um, going back to the TJX company that Lisa just mentioned, they actually shared that their home business represented 40% of their total sales in 2020. Um, And the year before that was only 33%. So it's not just fashion. I think people think like, I mean, they used to think maybe, you know, like, let's, let's go to these places just for fashion, but like home goods and, you know, TJ Maxx itself has a ton of home stuff in there. So there's a lot of that, right? Yeah. And I remember shopping and like my mom, whenever she comes visit me here, she will like always go to TJ Maxx and like, yeah, like over the years, we've seen such a uh, quick growth in terms of their home, uh, home accessories, like home section looks beautiful. Some items like even look artisanal and they are, I think I've um, talked about once before that um, my previous company, we even had experience selling to this kind of stores, Mm, but the reality is uh, it's kind of for big corporations and especially for smaller brands, especially brands that are trying to be fair trade and stuff. It's like a last resort. It's like I have, you know, okay, I just need to move the inventory. It's like basically you're barely making any money. So anyways, that's kind of yeah. the supply chain. But Exactly. And there's like a big assumption from consumers, which is like, it's almost like you feel like you're going to a highly curated, more new version of like a Goodwill. Right. Like you think, oh, I'm I'm going and I'm buying stuff that is, you know, out of season or it was, you know, it's been around for a year. They're putting it back out like you feel kind of like you're preventing waste from happening. Right. Like you're kind of a hero, but that's not really what's happening. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think it's just um you, Laura, will get into the nitty gritty, but you know, when you see uh, this season's products, right, especially if we're talking about fashion and TJ Maxx, obviously they're not scooping up that inventory, right? If like this stuff yeah. is updating there so quickly. Anyway, yeah. so let's talk exactly how does that happen? How this overstock chain stores actually work? Yeah, so basically the supply chains that support this off price market that we're talking about are typically categorized one of two ways. So the first way is uh, those that provide unsold goods from the full price market, right? So that's kind of what we're talking about, that assumption piece. But then the other part is there are also, uh, you know, channels that provide newly made goods, cheaply made goods, I'll tell you that right now, to these off-price retailers. So typically, overstock stores are dependent on both of these supply chains for their merchandise. So that I think is the biggest learning here where it's not just overstocked stuff. It's also, I mean, we don't actually have the numbers of what the percentages are because those overstock companies don't provide that, but you can think of both of those things getting funneled into these stores. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't know if it's in our notes, but the interesting part about, um, you know, even if we're thinking about, okay, yes, TJ Maxx and um, Ross and stuff like that, they do sell unsold goods, right? And we'll talk about that part. Yeah, uh, I mean, why don't you get into it? Like you, you experience this yourself, right? So yeah. like what happens, you're, you're working at another company, um, but let's pretend you have a, a different company, Lisa's um, water bottle company, and you bought too many water bottles. So what happens when your products don't sell? Like, what do you do as the owner of the water bottle company? Yeah, so we can do a couple of things. We we pay this uh, 
we pay our, our fulfillment center or whatever to store uh, these unsold goods in a warehouse. And as any business owner knows, you have to pay, it's, especially if it's huge quantities, which is, of course, you know, H&M's, Zara's over the world, um, you know, big corporations that eventually sell to TJ Maxx their stuff. You know, their warehouses are gigantic. Massive. Yep. Massive. So the environmental impact of this and storing these goods is huge. And, of course, the cost to these companies is huge, yes. right? So another option they have is... Um, um, to pay their sales and merchandising teams to get rid of these goods to sell this, uh, them somehow. And that's where that super small price tag comes in because big manufacturers are happy to make even the tiniest profit off of these items uh, instead of, you know, completely losing all of the money on them and like, you know, having to spend tons of money on storing them in their own warehouse. Yeah. So basically what's happening is the, you know, system itself takes advantage of department or specialty store cancellations. Um, they also take advantage of manufacturers making too much stuff or like a deal when a vendor wants to just get rid of stuff at the end of the season. So basically what we're saying is all of this unsold product is a liability from a revenue perspective. And so they just get sold off to these stores, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then when we were talking about, and I heard stories in like fair trade industry, you know, uh, like wait, for big manufacturers uh, that I've been mentioning, it's not that big of a deal to like get rid and make sure you get at least the tiniest profit of this. But to work with TJ Maxx and like uh, um, you know big overstock stores for smaller brands, especially ethical brands, it can almost break their business, you know. Um, so and like that's why ethical brands they would never you know be relying on this kind of supply chain right uh, this kind of sales strategy because it's yeah. just not feasible. But another yeah. thing I wanted to say is that you know even though yes these goods are truly unsold that 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 at least the true part that you know let's say H M H and M and Zara like really doesn't know how to sell their stuff they give it to T J Maxx, but it's not the whole story behind unsold goods. It's it's just like it is psychology right of mm -hmm. this relationship between between big manufacturers and overstock stores like they know that overstock stores exist so like you know what even if we produce a couple of hundred thousands uh, more units we can always give it to tj maxx you that's know what I mean? right yeah so it is wasteful production of goods that's created by the sheer existence of overstock stores does mm, that make sense interesting yes you're right so it's like they're kind of like, well, worse comes to worse. We can just do that. Exactly. Yeah. If mm. you, otherwise, um, uh, otherwise, we heard stories like H and M literally burning their stuff, right? Which is yeah. Crazy. That's crazy. So that's kind of the lowdown on the, um, you know, overstock unsold goods, basically. And then we, of course, we already talked about like these stores are also notorious for buying new merchandise. Um, and we did hunt down. So we said we didn't know what the exact split was of, you know, new to sort of um, overstock products. But we did find um, in 2011, uh, TJ Maxx executive Carol, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> Mayerowitz. Mayerowitz, maybe. Um, I would say that. Yeah, she um, she basically said that over 85% of the company's merchandise in 2011 was in the current season. So you can draw your own conclusions there. Again, that's just a quote from her. We can't, you know, take take that. We've got to take with a grain of salt, but it's interesting. So basically, yeah. bottom line is there's a mix in there. It's hard to understand what's, what's um, you know, new and not. But regardless, it's all wasteful. Like, and I hate to tell, I mean, you guys know, right? Like, we are not in the business of being Debbie Downers here. We just want you guys to know what's going on, right? 
Exactly. So yeah, let's talk about again why overstocks are bad for the planet. Uh, even though we're kind of already getting into it, right? So. Yeah. First and foremost, these retailers are still encouraging consumers to buy trendy new items, right? Versus more sustainable, ethically made, fairly traded products that are long-lasting. So this is fast fashion, fast furniture at its finest, right? Yep. In addition, they're dependent on other brands overstock clothing, and those brands know. That's what I was talking about, yeah. right? They know it, <laughs> that they can rely on uh, overstock stores to... And again, uh, I don't know if we have... Yeah, we have some numbers, but like... The overproduction numbers of these big, massive manufacturers, they're not a couple of thousand units, right? Uh, we're talking about a couple of hundred thousand units. And it's not just, you know, the raw materials, the shipping, uh, the storing, the shipping to customers. All of this is environmental impact at a huge scale, in, in, in very negative environmental impact, right? Yeah, it, it's not good. And it's not just fashion, right? Um, oh, yeah. Like we talked about the home goods and furniture industry. Like furniture is re really one of the fastest growing landfill categories. And I talked about this in a previous podcast, but I had a chance to go to the dump yeah. with my husband. And just seeing the amount of like furniture and appliances, um, you know, refrigerators, things like this, that really, in my mind, could and should have been repaired just setting them kind of uh, on the step, seeing them sit on the side like that was just really heartbreaking. And so when we think about bringing these larger items into our house, we definitely have to be more mindful because according to the EPA, the generation of furniture in municipal solid waste accounted for 12.1 million tons of waste in 2018. Now carpets and rugs were 3.4 million tons and small appliances like toasters, hair dryers, mm -hmm. and stuff were 2.2 million tons. And so I got news for you. I'm a rug girl. I love <laughs> rugs, but I have tried to be so conscious in what I bring into my house because rugs are so hard to return if you can return them. And as as you as listeners know, like most of the time your returns don't end up where you think they go. Anyway, so like most of the time, rather than getting new furniture, new rugs and stuff, like, let's see if we can just move it around the house, right? Try in another room. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles, a company with a punny name, but a seriously sustainable mission to make better bedding for everyone. We started partnering with Sheets and Giggles earlier this year, and the positive reviews from our community keep coming in. I've been on a hunt for sustainable bedding for a long time now until Brightly actually recommended Sheets and Giggles. I would highly recommend. The material is great. Uh, I personally tend to get hot at night and my boyfriend tends to get cold. So it definitely serves as a happy medium. Highly recommend. I also get hot at night and I found that after sleeping with Sheets and Giggles moisture wicking sheets over the past few months, I can't remember the last time I woke up overheated. I love my Sheets and Giggles sheets. They're my absolute favorite, not only because they're super duper soft, but they are sustainably and ethically made out of eucalyptus. Yep, I love that our scout Ashley called out how soft the Sheets and Giggles sheets are. Plus, the eucalyptus that is in their 400 thread count sheets is grown without insecticides or pesticides. They also just launched a bunch of new colors, and I can't choose between navy blue and red. Help me! Sheets and Giggles bedding is super lightweight and soft, and they really nail it on zero-waste packaging. 
Good Together listeners can get 15% off at SheetsGiggles.com using the code BRIGHTLYSO. That's B-R-I-G-H-T-L-Y-S-O. With the holiday season in full swing, wish lists around the world are filling up with sparkly diamond-filled options. Unfortunately, it can be hard to find diamond jewelry that is environmentally or ethically responsible. Every carat of mined diamonds costs even more resources and pain to the environment when extracting them from the earth. While typical diamonds are mined using harmful supply chains and damaging environmental methods, ether diamonds are literally made out of thin air. They're alchemized from air by removing carbon dioxide air pollution from the atmosphere, which would otherwise contribute to global warming. Each ether diamond removes 20 metric tons of carbon from the atmosphere. This is done via direct air capture technology and carbon sequestration methods, transforming harmful pollution into something beautiful and valuable, an ether diamond. That's what really fascinated me about Ether's approach. Not only are they not harming the environment, they're actually capturing carbon while creating the lab-grown diamonds. Plus, they're vegan certified and each Ether piece is crafted by hand using 100% fair mine gold. This gold is responsibly sourced from the small-scale artisans who uphold the highest standards for social and environmental practices. Good Together listeners who are getting married can actually have Ether Diamonds offset the carbon footprint of your entire wedding, that's food, drinks, venue, and more, by using the code WEDDINGOFFSET at etherdiamonds.com slash WEDDINGOFFSET before December 31st, 2021. That's A-E-T-H-E-R diamonds.com slash W-E-D-D-I-N-G O-F-F-S-E-T. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, try try DIY project, try preserving. And we, we said it on this podcast so many times. The best thing, the most sustainable thing you buy is what you don't buy, what you keep using. Um, and of course, yet yeah, uh, to put things into perspective about fashion industry, environmental impact, again, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like what I was talking about, you know, fashion industry is responsible for 10% of global carbon emissions. It uses around 93 billion cubic meters of water annually, right? So not just pollution and shipping and creation of raw product, uh, raw materials, but yeah, water. <laughs> and um, fashion industry is to blame for 20% of all industrial uh, water pollution worldwide too. So it's it's all part of this big issue, fast fashion issue to begin with. Yeah, and waste. So we just talked about like how how damaging these stores can be for the for the planet. Now we'll talk a little bit about why they're not really good for people or for for you either. So obviously, you're a person on the planet, so <laughs> you should care about the planet. Uh, you know, impacts that we just talked about. But um, you know, the supply chain is. It basically comes down to the human equation. And when you get a product that's extremely low priced, it's going to have a lot of issues with it, right? We've done so many episodes about, you know, how problematic the fast fashion industry too, but the same thing goes for home goods, et cetera. Like if a good is produced cheaply, you could very well bet that it was not made in an ethical supply chain, which means, you know, there's usually very low standards, if any standards, like very low wages. Um, and just, you know, there's no oversight, right? There's no like environmental safety standards. There's no like 
somebody's checking to see what's going on with their chemicals coming out of the factory. It's just not happening because it's just, just so, you know, fast and loose. Um, and actually we did find an information a piece that's interesting here, which is in 2016, there was a report that came out from the wage and hour division, which revealed issues with products sourced by the TJX uh, group. So basically um, this, this report revealed wage overtime and record keeping violations in 85% of cases that they looked into. And a lot of workers were reported to make only $4 an hour. So it's not coming from ethical supply chains. Basically. Absolutely. And of course, um, another thing, more and more companies now overstock or not, um, a lot of people, you will see the information on their websites speaking to how they define responsibility, how they action it and how they're improving. But Again, we've talked about this again. You can't believe everything you read. And unfortunately, you have to research and double check uh, facts that are presented on big corporations' websites and press releases, uh, right? And same goes for overstock websites. And yeah. here we are for you doing the research. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing I'll mention is like, so, you know, Brightly now has its own shop. And when we choose to feature a product and put it in there, our team does the same kind of research on on the, the supply chains. And I'll tell you, there's a huge lack of certifications available for us to look at, right? There's a bunch of certifications, but very few of them are all encompassing, right? Like most of them are very specialty. Most of them are really hard to figure out. For instance, it's pretty difficult to source um, you know, products that are made over in, in China and different Asian countries that have certifications that we're used to seeing right? Like there's not really a universal one yet. And so I will say that like a lot of brands, when they have these areas of their website and they're like Lisa saying like, oh, we, we like responsible X, Y, and Z. Well, if you, if you dig what into does it, it you're mean, like, you know what, what I mean? does it mean? Like, what do you guys have an SA 8,000? Like what, what kind of certification do you have? And so, you know, we talk a lot about the dual um, equation between consumers pushing on brands and also consumers needing to push on governments or even NGOs to help establish bigger systems for people to use, right? I mean, you experience this frequently with your previous company too, right, Lisa? Exactly. Yeah. And again, um, we as consumers, we are the most powerful voice and the most powerful way to um, voice our opinions and what we care about is by voting with your dollars. Um and emailing these brands, right? We talk about this too. So, you know, yeah, thank absolutely. you for doing that. I think, um, I think we will be seeing more and more changes in that. Even though, again, because of the nature of this very murky multi-actor supply chain, right? From big corporations to their factories across the world that nobody's regulating, including international their governments, you know, to then now overstock companies, it is extremely difficult to move this whole like supply chain of gigantic actors unfortunately but absolutely I, i'm positive we'll get there but yeah let's uh quickly go over you know alternative ways to shop more sustainably um, actually and- you know what we're gonna do that but here i'm gonna jump in and do something crazy wouldn't it be nice if these stores had a way to tell you if it was actually a product that you were quote-unquote saving from going into the landfill if it was new like, why couldn't they at least just tag the product like that, right? Maybe people wouldn't like it. I don't know, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think people will be shocked, right? If the, the actual split is like 85 new to old. Um, uh, but honestly, it's a good point. I don't, 
I am I'm, I'm curious what percent of overstock shoppers are actually care about the environment. That's or, true, like, Lisa, that's true. So, yeah. you know, uh, but yeah, I, I would be very highly surprised as, uh, if without us as consumers forcing this overstock stores, they would be like, Yes, let me be a bit more transparent, just because I'm so good. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, that kind of leads us into our first point, right? Which is like, you know, you can go to one of these places and get yourself a pumpkin spice candle. Um, we're not going to judge you. People do it all the time. Yeah. I did it this we'll season myself. Want. I got one no. candle, though. I did limit myself. <laughs> I didn't get anything else. Um, but I was bored. And this is why we're just saying like, if you're bored, there is a tendency to go out and shop. And so like, we're going to be realistic here and say that you're probably going to still do that. So just maybe just try and limit yourself and just understand that like, when you go in there, you're not being um, like this hero, maybe that you thought you were, maybe you weren't, maybe you didn't think about it all. So that's just why we made this episode. Yeah, so that's a good can- point. <laughs> and I was actually, well, I, um, yeah, I was like, well, I don't remember when I shot, we actually shot, I told you we were getting gifts for my husband's parents. Um, and mm-hmm. his mom was like, just, just get me something from Ross. I don't care. I'm like, no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a mother-in-law. I can't be like, uh, excuse me, lady, I have no gifts for you whatsoever because you didn't make me <laughs> That would be crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, again, be realistic with yourself. But I think one of my, and our community favorites, ways to you know, still shop fast fashion, and we talked about it before, so we're not going to go too quickly, uh, too too much into it. Buying secondhand, right? Thread up, Poshmark, yes. um, re- even I've real, been doing real. it so much lately. Have I told mm-hmm. you this? I have yes, been like have. crazy Poshmarking, and um, you know, there's another uh, marketplace called Mercari, um, and it's been really good to get um, baby stuff because I'm expecting my first baby, and like, there's just so much stuff that you need, and so I've been trying to see, okay. If I'm on a, a site with a brand new thing, can I go find it from somebody else gently used or even just like, you know, they forgot to return it within the return window? And it's been like kind of fun. Like I kind of get that same, I don't know, like deal hunting kind of excitement out yeah. of it. So like totally check out those secondhand places. You know, one thought I had though, and I don't know if I'm being too suspicious now, uh, when I got a jacket from Poshmark uh, and it was, what's Uniqlo something, uh, which I would never buy from them uh, directly, but I got it and it had a tag and like, and it looked completely new. So I'm like, are there now a kind of a group of sellers on this resale websites that are purposely buying them mm. it's you know, possible yeah it's possible, it's possible because they know the trends and you know what they know what's selling so i hope it's not i hope i hope the you know those websites and companies that they they will make an effort to um control it but again um they are businesses so we'll see we'll see let's talk about um yeah spreading the word right just talk about it share this episode with your friends and family you know what i mean who are probably asking you this question to you are overstock stores good and how can i shop more ethically yeah absolutely Uh, spread the word um you know the next time you're out shopping with your your friends or family and you go into one of these places like maybe just talk about it a little bit. You don't have to be Debbie Downer, but just be like, Hey, did you know that most of this stuff is not overstock or, you know, there's just a lot to go into it. And it could be like, Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. So, you know, spread the word. Also, just like we said, try not to, to consume as much fast fashion and fast furniture, right? Just 
try and think a little bit more about what you bring into your home. And, um, you know, we all say this, it can be harder to practice this than we want to sometimes, but you know what, it does make a difference when you start and think about it. Right. Exactly. No, stop stopping and thinking about this is like the number one advice I think that we always give um, to everyone and ourselves <laughs> from time to time. And of course, again, supporting ethical brands and retailers, uh, if you can afford it um, in any way possible. And then I, I saw this kind of um, meme, a post on Instagram circulating around COVID that, you know, okay, yes, we were, especially in the beginning of COVID, a lot of people lost jobs and like not everybody was in a financial situation to like vote with their dollars, right? But guess what? If you follow them on social, spread the word, uh, even same thing goes with Brightly Shop, right? Even if you're actually talking about our shopping experience about Brightly, you're already helping us, right? So voting with your dollar, of course, is the most powerful and like best thing you can do to support your brands. Um, but talking about the brands that you love that are truly ethical also makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Well, this kind of wraps up the episode for us. So we, like we said at the beginning, um, we're really interested in answering more of these questions for you. So we're doing it with our editorial team. They're doing these longer articles where they go and they really dig into things. Lisa and I, of course, have always been doing this for you, but please let us know your feedback. Um, please let us know, you know, what you're interested in hearing more of. And I hope that you have a nice holiday season and that you, you know, you enjoy yourself. <laughs> yeah. Have fun with it. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.